sometimes it's okay to slow down and enjoy the moment because you're never going to get to that finish line. Finish line is going to keep extending because as humans, we're always going to want more and better. So let's just stop and enjoy the moment sometimes because those are the things that count at the end of the day. to you from the city of roses this is the broadcast by lash professionals and for lash professionals thank you so much for tuning in today we have a guest that we're excited to introduce you to we only recently met her her name is yegi sarian and she owns a brand called yegi beauty now i'm sure some of you know her but we most recently ran into her actually got connected online and got her to come on our podcast and tell her story. She actually is a new podcaster herself called The Yegi Project. So hopefully, um, if I do my job right, those links will be in the show notes. And then you can go click over and check out her podcast as we're always excited to support other fellow podcasters. But that all said, what we loved about hearing her story is she has gone through a lot, just like all of us, right? And I think that's why it was so exciting to have her come because she just talks about just the hardships, the struggles, what it takes to be successful, the sacrifices you have to make, right? All the different things that we all do once we make we sign up to be entrepreneur, like sign up for a business, right? Uh, well, it's not all going to be easy. It's not going to be uh, cake and roses or whatever the saying says, right? It's going to be difficult. And so we go into that. She talks about going into debt. She talks about mom guilt. We talk about um, work-life balance. We uh, talk about really, I think one of the big themes for her is pivoting. When things and opportunities come, when things aren't working, she's been able to pivot and find opportunities or ways to make success happen where maybe defeat was felt like the only option. And you also talk about her being an immigrant and how really I think that has put a fuel or a fire in her belly to, to really go out there and do something because she saw what her parents gave up and sacrificed so much to bring her here to the United States. So anyhow, a lot of great stuff. Hopefully you will enjoy it as much as I know we did. Now let's talk about announcements, right? Because we always have things going on. And our big thing coming up here in June, very soon, a few weeks away at IBS is our massive party that we're doing at the penthouse um, at the Blanca penthouse at the Sahara Hotel and it's $49 and hopefully the tickets haven't sold out yet if they haven't you can go to the link in our show notes or go to link in the, um, or yeah link in our bio on Instagram and if you're on our insider Lashcast list you can email that way and you just click there right over and go buy your ticket and uh, but yeah guys this is gonna be amazing we have like we're hoping to get two three hundred people in this place it's big. It's a big penthouse, um, yep, but you have to be in the guest list. You can't just show up unannounced because there is a price to pay. This wasn't a cheap or affair, but um, we're excited to provide this opportunity for us to network, connect with each other. And by the way, we have like 20 brands, guys, that are sponsoring this. It's crazy. I'm just going to name half of them, and then we'll do the other half another one. Borbalada Beauty, Elibana, Indoor Beauty, Island Lash, Illumino Lashes, Lash Boulevard, Lash Base, Livia Lashes, Loved and Lash, Luna Kai Lash, and Maven Artistry. Just to name half. And they're all going to put some in the swag bag. And the first hundred people that get there will get that swag bag. And I, with 20 products, it's going to be quite the hefty haul. So if you're not going to Vegas, you should just go anyways. IBS is amazing. It's a great trade show. Lots of people. It's usually in the back, in the old days, before COVID, it was like 40,000, 50,000. Now I, maybe it'll be 20, 25,000. I think last year was about 15. It's still a lot of people. And it's a lot of fun. And it's cheap, guys. The trade show itself is under 100 bucks. And if you get a one-day ticket, I think it's only like 30 bucks or something like that. Really, then you just come and hang out with us on Saturday night on June 25th. 
When you sign up, we'll send you the directions on how to get there. You will have to have be on the guest list again. It's up. We have a security guys. The hotel's providing the security, and um, they're gonna be really scary. No, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully there'll be some nice guys and one of our team down there to greet you at the elevator. All that information being given to you when you buy your ticket. Go to now and get that, and it'll be great. I can't wait to see all of you guys there in Vegas before we all hang out in, in basically Pasadena in November. Which reminds me, guys, guess what? LashCon tickets, actually, I think by the time this comes out after we record, the prices have gone up. Which I'm assuming at this point, there will be a massive rush and who knows how many tickets are left. Hopefully, we're not sold out because if you haven't bought it, you need to go down. All right, because we're getting close, guys. I expect sometime June um, we might sell out. Especially, I'm sure we'll sell out in July when the next price increase comes. So just jump the gun. There's a payment plan. Just pay 25% down now, and then you make four, three more payments over the next 90 days. <sighs> As always, so many things to talk about. But we're here for you guys. That's why we're doing it. We're here to help you so that you can grow in your business. And you, everyone, I, this group that you guys are that listen to this podcast – you are investing in your industry or your is it your business by coming to these events and networking, making connections and learning and listening to this podcast. You're not the average last professional, I promise you. I run into people once in a while and I ask them, hey, you know, do you listen to podcasts? Do you do things? And almost all of them always say, no, not really. I, I, I just, just not important to them. They're not learners, guys, but you are. And that's why we are so always excited to have you come to these things because I feel like it just, it fuels the fire in us to keep going, keep pushing because we need to do better. We need to do more. We need to help you guys, help you guys get your businesses to where you all want them to be. All right, guys, that's all I have for you for announcements. Now let's sit down with Yegi where we really get to sit down and listen to her journey of how she got her business to where she is today. Hey guys, we're here in the Lashcast Studios, excited as always to join you, and today we actually have a local with us. Unfortunately, she's not in studio with us, but she is local. She's Burbank, which is a whole whopping like 20, 30 minutes from where we're sitting right now. We have Yegi Sarian with us. She is amazing, and we're excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to connect with you guys and talk to your audience. Yeah, no, we are too, and what's great is... I've gotten to do a little research on you, and we've, we've never met. This is our first time we've ever talked, but I was really impressed with your story, and I, I'm really hoping to be able to share a lot of that with our audience because we don't do this enough, and I think we hopefully will do more. I love to share about the struggle, about how people got where they are and the lessons learned because I think each person is on their own journey, and they have their own struggles. Each is unique, but each of us... Uh, I know I find a great amount of encouragement. I hear someone else's way of doing it. I, I love a, a podcast I've shared before called How I Built This. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorite ones. We love that show because it's just stories of entrepreneurs who we all think are amazing and have made it and have it easy. And then you hear, oh, they were like 30 minutes away from going bankrupt and losing it all or the, being arrested for you know fraud or something like that because there was a mistake <laughs> or something. You know, like all these horrible stories. And then they... Don't always work out. In fact, sometimes he goes, eh, and they the CEO got ousted from the company, and that's life. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. So anyhow. But, but the cool thing is that it's a struggle, and we love to bring these stories to the front because they're encouraging to all yeah. of us. We always think that just every success story, just the person just hatched in front of us. And, yeah. and no, it's like all of us are in a struggle of some sorts, and when we can hear somebody who's maybe just a couple steps further down the line who has 
gone through that struggle, torn out their hair, and figured it out. That's encouraging. And so your story was quite inspiring to us. And And, and I'll just tease it. We'll hear about this in a second, I'm sure. But she was in six-digit debt at one point, guys, and got out of it. Okay? (laughs) So I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully it gets you on. Wait. If you're in that same boat, you need to stay... Keep listening. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. You'll find out. So, Anna, let's start first because you're also, I don't think, the typical beauty professional. I was reading about you, and you're actually quite educated, and you didn't even start in beauty. This was not like your original plan. You were going to go into the world of education, and you were going to kill it there, and you were moving in that direction, doing good stuff, it looked like. But What pivoted? Yeah, what What changed? changed? I mean, maybe share a little bit about that journey about starting in education, and how did you get into beauty? So going back really quickly, so my family moved here when I was nine. So I was already in this country as an immigrant. And I believe people who come as immigrants are more hungry because America Mm -hmm. gives you so much opportunities that you can take advantage where a lot of countries that people come from to America don't have those opportunities. So having that hunger and seeing my parents struggle to really move us to a new country and make it that I think that was my initial drive to do things and to get to where I am today. But we all, I believe everybody has a reason that pushes them to do what they do. But for me, my background, again, let's go back a little bit. So I came in when I was nine had that drive. Like I had to see my parents struggle with the language barrier. They couldn't really do everything that other parents did for my classmates. I had to make sure to figure out how to fill out all these applications, even for us to become citizens. Like I'm like 12 years old here, filling out these like legal documents because we weren't even able to hire an attorney to do that. So I had to really teach myself to do these things and thank God for the internet. (laughs) It did definitely helps. So going through like these struggles with, I think my family and figuring it out and then getting like one little hint of, oh my God, I did this. That builds confidence as well. So going through all the struggle is key. And like you mentioned before, everybody goes through it in the beginning. When people see us, they think, oh my God, she made it. She's special. She's privileged or she's great. She could do it. But then nobody sees the struggle behind it. And even Today, like a lot of people look at me as a mentor in the beauty industry, especially as a lash artist. But deep down, I have all these doubts still and all these struggles. And I still don't know, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to the right direction? Where should I go next? Oh, my God, I'm running out of money (laughs) if I'm investing into new products. But going back to answer your question, I ended up going to school here. I got my bachelor's and my master's degree in business and accounting. And this was because I needed to make money quickly to help my family. So I was like, okay, business degrees are kind of the fastest way and the Mm. safest way to get a job for me to be able to provide and get into the work field. But initially, my dream was to be an engineer, (laughs) totally unrelated. But I had to totally give that up. And again, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And I ended up getting my degree in business. And Mm -hmm. going back to you um, saying everybody has their path and their journey, I think that's also very true. Looking back, I did have this huge journey. And if I didn't just kind of like go with whatever I needed to go with, whatever struggle or whatever roadblock that was given to 
to me, I wouldn't be where I am today. But the key was to not give up and find like my next move that I was going to be happy with, at least for the meantime, until I can do the next thing. And for me, that's what it was at the moment. Okay, right now I needed to make money. So, okay, even though my dream is to be an engineer, I don't have that time and that dedication to be able to go to school full time because the engineering programs, there was no like night school and I could work during the day to make money. It was very, very intense. I had to do something that I could do maybe a night school and I'll work throughout the day to support myself. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Well, that's really cool because I mean, becoming, uh, working and working with trains. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) No, engineer. By the way, just ahead as a question about engineering, my dad was a EE. So were you electric or mechanical engineer? What was your- I was going to do chemical actually. Oh, chemical. I also did have that dream of having my own product line, like from a kid. When I was in high school, I went to Gondo High School and they have this trade program, which is an after school program and it's free for students. And you can stay until like 5 p.m. after school and collect your hours towards the cosmetology program. So again, being very hungry as a little immigrant girl and given any opportunities, I wanted to take advantage of that because it was free and I was a girl, you know, I wanted to know how to do my hair and my Mm -hmm. makeup, but it was never for a career because I have very old school parents and I think a lot of us do. And people look down upon the beauty industry at first, like in the bigger picture, when I was outside of the beauty industry, a lot of people look down upon us. They think that we're not smart enough. Like you, you maybe did see, I don't know. It's very bad, very bad stereotypes, but Definitely not true now that I'm in it. It's a lot harder to be <laughs> It's in a lot beauty. smarter than you realized all of a sudden. It's like, hey, it was yes. Yeah. Yes. Maggie, can I interrupt and real quick and just um, ask, because I know our listeners are wondering, dying, wondering, where did your parents immigrate from? Where did you, what country did you come from? I'm Armenian. Awesome. All right. <laughs> yes, I'm Armenian. We're a very small country, but the Kardashians, that's how people mm. know. Yeah, I was about to say, everyone's like, who's <laughs> Armenian do we know? Oh, yeah, the Kardashians. Yeah, I'm just curious. Do you speak Russian too? I don't, but my parents too. That's something I'm very upset about. They did not teach, teach you, me, yeah. me and my brother, but they were scared that we wouldn't learn English. So yeah. they were like, okay, you guys should learn English. You're in America. Exactly. And they didn't teach us. And I was, I'm still very angry about that. I'm trying to force them to teach my kids now. <laughs> so at least my kids would know Russian. Okay. So you went to beauty school actually in high school, which is really cool. And you got your degree there. You went to college. And you got not just a bachelor's, got a master's in business, which obviously is a great tool for what you're doing now because you're in business. So you obviously understand structures and frameworks, but you ended up, I know, going more into the education field, right? For a while. And that's where you were pursuing. I did. So going back to taking advantage of anything that you can, I think that's a very smart thing to do, especially if you don't have a lot of money or funds to do anything. And I think from a very young age, hopefully some of the listeners are also young too, or even if you're not young, there's always opportunities we can take advantage of. And sometimes we just don't because we think it's not needed or like maybe we're a little lazy, you know, yeah. we can be a little lazy. Or, at or times. you're scared sometimes. I know sometimes we're exactly. scared. Exactly. 
exactly or scared. But initially when I transferred to go to a business school, I ended up um, going to DeVry, which was kind of like a fast paced private school. Their whole thing is to be able to work and go to school. So I was doing their night school and I ended up working as a student worker in their office, like just doing basic clerical work. And while I was going to school and doing that, after I was almost done, their HR said, hey, you seem like you should apply for this position, which was actually a counselor position for academic advising. And I was 19. I was like, really? I could advise other college students for for undergrad and graduate schools. I was like, you really think I could do that? And she was like, just apply. You might get lucky. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So um, I applied and that's how I ended up working in the education field. Not that it was planned either. I just, like I said, I just took advantage of it. It was in front of me and I was like, I'll take anything, you know, I can to, to start somewhere to make money. And then That's slowly how I climbed the ladder. And then I became, I was advising in academics and financial aid for college students. And my next step was to move up into the registrar position. And that was more of a managerial position. I had to manage other instructors, which were professors. So undergrad and grad professors, which was very intimidating. But I don't know, somewhere along the line of, I think also somebody believing in you, like that HR lady that said, just apply. Mm -hmm. Um, It gave me the courage to apply. However, um, what was the really struggle is the person who was in charge of interviewing for this position knew me and because I was with the company six years at that point. But for some reason, the person who was going to interview me, he didn't even interview me. He almost discouraged me. And like, you're you're not ready for this. Mm. Maybe I wasn't in his opinion. But in my opinion, if I wasn't given the opportunity to do something greater, how was I going to get better? Or how if nobody gives you that first chance of managing people, where are you going to start? I start somewhere. Yeah. Right. A lot of companies want experience or you think you need experience to do it, but you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. So that was very, very disappointing. I almost got depressed because I was like, I've worked so hard. I've climbed the ladder. Now I'm going to get this position where I could make more money because money was also important to me. I loved being successful or growing in a company, but I really wanted to make a lot of money. I had big dreams. I wanted to travel. I wanted to have a fancy house, you know, just like how everybody dreams of living that American dream. And in my head, I was like, well, I did everything right. I really hustled. I went to school. I got a job. I got my master's. I'm climbing up the ladder. But wait, the money's not there. Where does that come in? And I think it was that slap in the face where I got denied that job opportunity. And I really, I was so lost, so confused. I didn't know what to do with myself, with my life. And I started thinking like, how am I going to get to that next level? And what do I need to do to really make money? And like I said, I was borderline depressed because I was very hurt with getting rejected. But after really dwelling and thinking about it, it did open up the door for me to start my own business. That's when I started thinking, okay, wait, so who are these people that are really making the money? And then I started thinking, it's not the field I choose. It's actually having to be an entrepreneur and doing it for myself to really make the 
good chunk of the money. And, and I know it's not right for every single person. And I had some going to business school, I guess was beneficial because one key thing I learned is who is ideal to be an entrepreneur personality wise and what I needed to work on. So initially I was a super, super shy person. And even though I was very driven, I was very shy and not so outgoing, knowing that I needed to be more outgoing in order to be an entrepreneur, it helped me work on those skills. So I think that was like key for me to be able to get to where I am too, is knowing my weaknesses and education was one way for me to realize, okay, this is what it takes to be an entrepreneur. These are the things I need to work on in order for me to get to where I want to get. But yes, so that was the moving point. Somebody rejecting me, me being very discouraged into not knowing what to do with my life and kind of getting a light bulb moment. Oh, I need to start a business. I want to just jump in real quick because I love this. And I think this is really important for people to grab because I I see a couple of things in what you're saying that I think are really important drivers for you. And one is being self-aware. I think there's not enough said to be self-aware and see your weaknesses and to be aware of what, where you need to change, right? This is humility. When you can look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm not really outgoing, or I'm really not that person I need to be if I want to be an entrepreneur, because I've gone to school, i kind of seen, like you said, the roadmap, I understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur, and if I'm not going to be this person, then that's not a good path for me, but you saw that, you wanted that, you saw it was a road, also you knew what you wanted, you go, I need to find a pathway to make more money so I can find that satisfaction, and this is all these inner dialogues that we're having with ourselves, and a lot of people have these conversations, I think, and they just say, well, I'll just nah, not for me. I can't do that. I'm not outgoing. I don't have the training. I won't be good at this. And they talk themselves out of it. But it sounds like for you, you see these problems, these obstacles, and you go, I'm going to push through that. What is it for you? Do you feel that gives you that drive to say, no, I'm not just going to let that stop me. I'm going to push through and find a way. Honestly, it takes a lot of work for us to work on ourselves. So like you said, you need to be self-aware, but if you want something, obviously it doesn't just magically fall on your lap. We have to work towards it. And the polished people that we see out there that motivate us or that we think, like you said, they made it, they've spent time to work on themselves. And that's what I did. So one thing you can Google now and put what makes a good entrepreneur there's like a simple list somewhere. And if you feel like you meet most of those things and that's something you really want to do, definitely you should work towards the others. And it's possible. Nobody's born and they're, oh my God, I'm a perfect leader. I'm a perfect entrepreneur. They have to work on themselves. Sometimes their life and the people in their lives, they get privileged and they get the help to get there. And sometimes it's when we're underprivileged and that need to become successful is what drives us to seek that for ourselves. And I really think a lot of people, when they're afraid to go for it, it's that negative self-talk you talked about. It's a habit. So we need to break out of that habit of our negative self-talk. And one thing that has helped me a lot is I read a lot of books on how to be successful. Any book I can find on how to be successful, how to build the characteristics or the personality of that, I read it and I spend the time. I literally did not watch TV at all. I didn't even know the famous celebrities of who they were, what they (laughs) looked like. I've heard of them, but I would be embarrassed when people would talk about even 
current events and I'm like, I have no idea. But then I realized that's okay because I'm on a different path right now. Mm -hmm. I'm spending my time where I see fit. By the way, I want to jump in again because I think people don't understand that's the type of sacrifices people have to make if they want to get where they want to go. Too many people think, well, I'll go home and watch Netflix every night. And it's like, guys, if you want to get out of the place you are, Stop watching TV at night. Stop social media. Stop wasting hours consuming other content and start helping yourself build yourself up. Like you said, read books or podcasts or learn. Take that time. Go to night school, right? Podcasts, honestly, were, again, another game changer for me. I would listen on YouTube or podcast channels, anything motivational. Because even when I woke up in the morning and got in the car, there were days where I was super discouraged and super tired and super unmotivated but when i started listening to something motivational there might have been like one sentence that pushed me to be like okay no 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 no. restart your day it's gonna be a good day and i think that's one practice i i started doing is every time i read it in one book i can't remember which one (laughs) but i wake up now every morning and even if i feel like i'm gonna have a shitty day and Honestly, it's been more lately because now I have two kids and they're both under two years old. Oh, wow. So I'm not getting enough rest and I have to keep at this practice. I have to kind of like go back and encourage myself to be motivated to do a lot in a day with having little sleep. But I wake up in the morning. I think good practice. Like I just tell myself it's going to be a great day. (laughs) And just as a young mom, I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement. I mean, my kids are older now, but I remember those days. (laughs) And I know that our listeners are also in the same camp. They have little ones at home and there's this constant pull because you still have carry that intense drive to be successful. And now you have these two little ones that are looking at you and calling you mommy. They're the only ones that call you mommy and it's like you also have that desire to pour into them as well and so there's a little bit of a conflict right mom guilt is a thing right so i just want to encourage you that the intensity right now is a season and it is important to choose wisely what is the most important in your life and just to know that that fatigue is a season and that even if you step back a little bit on the business, the kids are a worthy investment. So don't they have that are. guilt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They pay off much better, by the way, than anything else you'll have. They do. They, they do. do. They do. I mean, <laughs> who ends their life, you know, surrounded by stacks of money stacks and cars. of money and, and their purses and saying, I feel satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the relationships, right? So it really is at the end of the day, it is about our quality of life on the day to day as in how happy we feel. And I've done a lot of research and soul searching about happiness as well is what really makes people happy. And I'm very passionate about that topic as well. And that's what I have to remind myself because as somebody who really wants to do the business thing and really be great at it, it is, it really is a huge struggle trying to find that balance between the kids and raising a family and doing the business thing. And to be honest, right now I'm I'm in that struggle period because with one kid, the business was doing really great. I had all these channels of money coming in with product sales, salon and all of this. But now with the kids in the mix, and like you said, I needed to do a sacrifice. What am I going to sacrifice? And some people told me, you know, like if you just focused on the business side a few more years and then maybe had kids, you would have been instead of like having a million dollar business, maybe have a $50 million business or like 500. Yeah. 
So, and then it got me thinking, am I doing the right thing? This is so hard. What do I do? And that struggle of knowing how to balance that is, is really, really difficult. And really like the mom guilt thing (laughs) is a thing. So now I've dedicated myself to only work three days out of the week where I just disconnect from my family life. And I'm just in the office. You know, once I come in here, I'm just going to focus on the business, which is my initial baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the four days out of the week, I'm with my family. Oh. So it, thank God it has worked out for me, for me to figure that out. But getting to that point was really, really difficult. And I think I'm still struggling. Like yesterday, I had to decide. I had babysitting yesterday. I had to decide, okay, do I go to the zoo with my kids or do I drop them off to the grandparents' house and go into the office. And then I really, really like, I don't know why it's so difficult to make that decision, but parents would understand out there because you also guilty if you're not spending enough time with your kids. And ultimately it comes down to what's most important. But anyways, I could get sidetracked on this. I just, I just want to just dovetail into what you're saying and just continue to give you that encouragement. When you have little ones, it is really good to draw a hard line like you have. And in some ways, I know that you're so motivated, no matter what, you're always going to continue to grow this business part because that's just part of your DNA. Oh, no, but there's times where, there is times where I'm like, I'm just going to sell the business. I just want yeah. to fall into a corner and not have anything yeah. to do with trying to grow a business. <laughs> just know that it's a season. And then sometimes if you, we can think about the importance of being a mother, um, we just had Mother's Day. So um, this has kind of been on my brain a little bit. But um, like I said, your children are the only ones that look up to you and call you mommy. And every single day, there's new brain cells connecting and new opportunities for those neurons and those synapses to connect. And those um, relationships with those neurons and and brain cells that are exploding and making connections, those last your children's lifetime. So it's like when you invest in them, it is like you are opening doors, you are opening little files in their brains that are saying like, oh, they're cute little brains. Yes. <laughs> and and they're, you're putting competence in there. You're putting opportunity. You're putting security in there. None of it is wasted. I know that from our point of view, it's like wiping little butts and snotty noses. <laughs> and you're like, how is this important? I've got a business to kill, right? But it is. It's so important. And I just want to remember, you're looking at the long haul. You're looking far ahead to when your children rise up when they're adults and say, Mom, you were amazing. And that's the prize that you're going for. So don't be discouraged when you think, you know, really, is this really important? This is your real legacy, right? Your kids are your legacy. Yes, leaving them an impact in the world helping grow other people in their businesses. Like I know you love to do and help with your podcast and all that. But at the same time, the real legacy, the one where I think you'll be most honored is your children. And I think for us, that's something that we've had to even learn. I was talking to a gentleman the other day who we were talking about maybe working together and we were talking about my plans for my business. I'm like, well, we're going to do this. We're hoping this, trying to grow it. And he's like, so um, why do you need to keep growing? (laughs) And I was like, that's a a good question. I was like, Oh, like, is, is it enough right now? I mean, you guys have a lot going on. You have, looks like you're, you've monetized things well. You've built a, a good program or our, our, our last con that's done really well now. And he's like, why? And at first I didn't know how to answer that question. And I'm still actually thinking about it because you're right. There is a point where 
we, we feel like we need to have this infinite growth, right? Because as capitalists, right? Oh, we always need to have growth, growth, growth. But there is seasons where we can plateau, I think, and say, you know what? This actually right now where I'm at, the income level I'm at, the job, the work balance, all that, this is okay. I don't need to work 18 hours a day. I don't need to work seven days a week. I'm happy to hear, and I hope that you're finding peace in this, working just three days a week. And if that's enough to pay the bills, take care of the family, that's a blessing. Because there, there's a lot of people who have to work five, six hours a week, two jobs just to take care of their family because they're just not there. I feel very, very blessed and very grateful and very thankful for the team I've built and all the past hard work I've put in. At least I have money coming in while I could kind of take it easy when I do want to focus on the kids when they're so little. And that's one thing that's worked out for me. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And, And like I said, it's a struggle knowing what to focus on, but it's a good reminder to say, it's okay to not be doing 100% at one thing at this point. Like, it's okay to kind of take a break from growing, like you said, and instead grow your family. And I think I need to remind myself that. And I think it's a good reminder for other people too. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've always believed in too is, like you said earlier too, we all have our journey and our paths and it looks very different Mm -hmm. on everybody. One thing I do believe in too is I don't believe in competition and that it's going to take away from my success. Mm -hmm. I do believe that we all have our place in this world of making enough money or in having enough success in whatever area we choose to. I really believe in that abundance. And I think everybody has their own. So we don't have to worry about competition or timing. Like I need to remind myself that at some point. I do really like deep down believe in that. So I have to tell myself, okay, it is okay for me to right now not be number one in my industry. (laughs) It's okay for me to like step back and do what I want to do with my family. And then once I'm ready to be where I need to be, then I can revisit that. It'll be waiting for me. It's exactly. there for me. Exactly. to go away. <laughs> These are the little truths we have to tell ourselves because we forget, right? <laughs> you, we just forget. We always feel like we have to do better and we have to do more. And it's like, stop. You know what? It's okay to slow down. It's okay to enjoy your family. It's okay, you know? I'm also big on not making excuses. So if that's, if I'm using that as an excuse to be lazy and stay home, even when my kids are in school, yeah. No, that's an excuse. If your kids are already in school, you have time. <laughs> yes. Do not think you're raising your family if you have like multiple hours at home and you don't have to physically be doing anything. So- exactly. Yeah. If you're like watching TV now, <laughs> well, I, I got all the kids are at home. I can do some studying of uh, this show, Oprah or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now that's now you're coming excuses. But I think at the same time, I think mom guilt, I think it's easily one of the biggest things I hear and see on Instagram and people talking about and women struggling with it's really real and i think we need because hustle culture is another big thing right it's like hustle 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 yes but that's also amazing with the beauty industry or any job that could give you flexibility so i think that's initially why a lot of people get into the lash extensions or the beauty industry because it can give them the flexibility to maybe work half a day take a couple clients while the kids are in school but then still spend the time with the kids in the mornings or at night so i think that's also key of having that flexibility within this industry and this that's why i see a lot of people going into it and it also keeps people's passions alive too um where they could be flexible work as much as they want or as little as they want it's nobody's making them do like a nine to five exactly so 
like we said earlier, people just need to find what's right for them, but be really aware and work on themselves to see what that is and not give up until they do find that happiness. It's a weird balance, right? Because on one side, you need to be driven and you need to be able to sacrifice. And you've shown that. You have sacrificed. You've done this hard work. You've worked long hours, gone to school during the night and worked during the day, right? So that's part of it. But at the same time, on the opposite end is the patience and the contentment and being okay with where we're at at this moment. And seeing the big picture, seeing that life's not just an hour. It's not just a day or even a year, but seeing 5, 10, 15 years now and realizing this is a journey and it's a long journey for hopefully for most of us. So enjoy it and do it your best and know there's seasons where you're going to work like a dog and there's seasons where you're going to hopefully relax and be with your kids and enjoy that time of life. So it is, it's an interesting tension. I do realize before um, we forget about this, Tussis wrote this, <laughs> say, hey, what about the debt? We really need to go Let's into that. Let's talk about that. Because that was yeah. part of the struggle, right? Boy. When you first started, started with your business, you didn't start with this huge amount of money in your bank account. You kind of had to just get down and dirty. So maybe you could share a little bit about that journey. Yes. Even thinking back, it hurts my heart. So going back to my story, right? So I'm in the education field. I've been there six years. I get rejected the job I wanted. Nobody believed in me to lead people. That's when I said, okay, well, what can I do? Who makes more money? Um, Business owners make money in America. If you really want to make it, you want to do something for yourself as an entrepreneur. If, If it's the right fit for you and you can lead a team, lead whatever your company, this is the job that's going to make me the most money. So at that point, I started thinking, okay, well, what business do I start? All my life, I've worked in education. I can't open an institute. (laughs) I don't have (laughs) funds. It's really like, and it was college. Like you need a lot of money to, or investors to start a university. And I was like, okay, well, that's not it. So then I started thinking, okay, what other passions do I have? If I'm going to do something, I need it to be realistic as in, I don't need too much money to get started and I need to enjoy it because that's another thing too. If you don't enjoy something, you're not going to be encouraged to really work hard at it. Once it gets difficult, you're going to be like, eh, it's too hard. It's not for me. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? And at that point, I actually had my cosmetology license. I was a little crazy when I was younger. Like I I was really hungry being in this country as an immigrant and not having anything. So while I was going working at the university full-time, there was a Paul Mitchell school, literally walking distance. And they had a night program from like 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I convinced my manager to, because our shifts were sometimes to work until 8 p.m. as the, the counselor, but I convinced them for like four months I needed Okay, going back to the high school in high school, when I did the cosmetology, you collect your hours. So I had collected a lot of hours. And at that point, it was 1600 hours to get your cosmetology license. I just needed, I think, like 400 to 600 more hours in order to sit for the licensing test. And when I had decided to go to beauty school and finish those hours in thing, um, at Paul Mitchell after my regular work hours. At that point, still, I had no idea that I wanted to be in the beauty industry, just something I enjoyed. It was a hobby. It was something I didn't want to leave half done. So I was like, okay, let's just get it. You know, it's right here. It's an opportunity. I don't have to drive. I can literally walk to the school and it's night school. It'll work out. It's not like I have anything other than that, like importance to do. And uh, I did finish it. And had my license. So that was already there. So then when it came time to making that decision, I was like making that decision, what business do I go into? I was like, well, 
I guess beauty shouldn't take that much funds to get started. I could start taking clients and I have my license already. I have the business education. Maybe this is the right thing to do. So that's when it really just came together and I said, okay, well, I'm going to open a beauty salon. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, it's so easy, you know, <laughs> much work. Here I am feeling you know, I'm not proud of it now, but back then I was one of those people thinking that I have an education in business and accounting. I'm smarter than mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. in the beauty industry because it's so sad, but that's what people put mm -hmm. out yeah. there. That's what people think. And I said, well, if they could do it, I could do it. Yeah. So that's when I, I started and I thought I was just going to open the salon. I was going to hire people and that's it. I don't have to do anything. Stay home, Everybody, collect the money. Yeah, the money just <laughs> comes in. That's exactly what I thought. But oh boy, the reality hit. So when I started, I realized how much money I need. And this is where the debt started collecting quick. So one of the biggest, biggest struggle was for me to find the business loan. And being young and having a startup business with zero history, it's very, very hard to get a business loan. Even a personal loan, it's hard to get if you don't have enough assets or enough income coming in for them to approve it. So it was really, really hard to try to do that. Luckily, since I was working for a company, I had to build up my 401k, which was, you know, for retirement. But I was determined. I said, well, if I'm going to start the business, I'm going to have to do what it takes. And at this point, it's too late. You know, if I've, I'm committed. I got to do what it takes. So I pulled out my 401k. I borrowed money from my friends and family. And I actually also got a business loan, putting my parents' house at risk. Oh. I had to put that as collateral. And actually, I didn't even know that's what I was doing. That's how unexperienced yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was I didn't even know I was risking their house until it was kind of too late and it came close to like oh my god I'm gonna make it's not even mine it's my parents and they would kill me they didn't even know because I was the one who does all the paperwork with everything because of the language barrier mm. and once the salon was started I realized again I can't do everything with just people running it and me getting the money that is collecting quickly because I have to pay the bills I have to pay the employees I have to pay for um POS system to take customers' credit cards and started adding up. Even just getting a freaking sign on top of the salon was like five thousand dollars. Oh, I didn't expect this, you know. And I went to business school. I should have known my startup costs and everything. But again, when you're actually in practice, it was just a lot. So that's when it started adding up. And at one point, I was in that hundred thousand dollars if not more in debt wow. and i would cry but i couldn't show that because there's people that are looking up to me in the yeah. sun they're looking up to me to lead them and help them build their clientele because again unaware i just opened the salon without any clientele mm -hmm. without any experience really just had my license and that's it and I knew I had a passion for it and I was talented in the beauty industry but no experience it was very very it's hard scary. yeah so that's that. But since it wasn't only my money and it was also my parents' house on the line, I didn't give myself that room to just give up and to fail. fail. Yeah. You can't. Option at that point. And I knew if I did, if at one point I started just listening to that self-doubt, I was just going to go all the way down and bury myself. I was like, okay, at this point, I can either sit here and cry about how much debt I'm in 
or try to block that part out and really just push to see how else I could make money and do what it takes. And at that point, I started taking the clients. I started answering the phones myself. I started being the janitor. It's so disgusting. We even would Mm -hmm. have like in the initial plane, I had signed a horrible lease. I had signed a lease where you get the place as is. Don't oh. do that, you guys. So we had a lot of plumbing, plumbing in the beginning. So between clients, I had to put a smile on and we were like unclogging a toilet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> poop on the floor. Scrubbing the poop off just the floor. Just as you guys know, uh, just a side note, as you said, you had no, didn't know, but there's a thing called TI or tenant improvements that you, yeah. when you go into a new space, you can actually pretty much negotiate, negotiate and get them to give you money or credit to your rent to help pay for improvements so that you don't just walk in with a place as is, like you said, just as a side oh, note. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I was desperate to sign the lease because um, the place I got the lease was in like a mall area and they were very picky with what tenants they wanted. But mm-hmm. again, I was determined to get it because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, Back then, too, like foot traffic was very important, too. And I knew that was like location, location, location for a business. I wanted to make sure I get that location. So I was aware I was getting a shitty lease. But again, part of me was like, okay, I'm going to believe in myself and try to get this. And that was the only way they would give it to me because, again, I was a startup. And it's hard to get a lease, a good lease, a location if you're a startup because they're risking a lot Mm -hmm. because... A lot of startups do fail, yes. you know, they establish businesses. So there was a lot of hardships that came my way. But I think the key was to not listen to the self-doubt and everything. And um, once you're 100% committed to something, you will do what it takes. Yeah. So this is also why I've learned along the way and through like the books I've read is don't give yourself an option B or a backup plan. Because once you do mm. that, it's so easy for you to give up. It's so easy yeah. for you to it didn't work out. I'm going to do this other thing. Mm -hmm. So although it was nice for me to know, like I had a degree or I could always find a job and I had no fear. Okay. If the business fails, I can go get a job. It was kind of nice to know that I was in debt and I had no choice to to get it. It drove you, put a fire in you to get up. Because there is no failure. There's no option where you can fail. And you can't lose your parents' home. (laughs) That would have been horrible. But just going through that struggle too, it made me appreciate um, everything else now. But it was really, really hard. Like I said, behind closed doors, I would literally cry and be like, okay, what am I going to do? And I even started putting our services on Groupon. We would do... Like me personally, I would do all the shitty clients and we, not shitty clients. I'm sorry. There's no shitty <laughs> Oops. clients. I would take clients for a service that would be worth $150. I would do it for $9 yeah. just to like try to make ends meet. And everybody that knows me and saw me there, literally I would go in. 10 a.m., but I wouldn't leave the salon until midnight. And I'm not even exaggerating. I would literally lock the door and just stay there with my client until midnight. (laughs) Girl, we've been there. (laughs) Try to make sure that 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 was going to be paid off. But on the brighter side about the dead, I was paying slowly monthly afterwards. And like I said, it almost gave me no choice but to make it. 
the salon was a full service salon and I started specializing in eyelash extensions myself. And then I saw a huge opportunity for it. And I started teaching all the other employees that were doing hair services or makeup services to get into the lashes because there was a more need in that. Mm -hmm. So once I started teaching them, I saw that, oh, I have this like natural and I really enjoyed the teaching part of it. So that's when it kind of hit me and an opportunity came for me to start just taking any students to teach them eyelash extensions to start paying off that debt. And then that evolved into a product line. And this is where we are today. Yeah, and training and all that. So for you, the big shift that really saw the profits turn is when you really focused on doing lashes and bring your team more in that direction. You found your margins were better and you had more profit. It is. Yes. But honestly, one thing I want to tell people is like you said, everybody has a path and it's important for us to always know when to give up on something and move towards a different path. And that happened to me so many times in like this career, you know, when we decided to just focus on lashes, I really felt like I was such a failure with uh. my staff for the salon because I was fully booked with the lash clients, but then my staff, and it really was very, very discouraging and very, very disappointing to see that here I am booked with the lash clients, but my staff that's doing hair or makeup, they're struggling to make ends meet. And it just, they're looking to me to help give them clients and it just wasn't working. I couldn't do it. No matter what I did, I wasn't able to build clientele for those other services. And I don't know what it was. Is it destiny? Is it like mm. fate? Is it just a sign from the universe or yeah. God or whatever we believe in, like to redirect. And it was so, so hard for me to sit down and be like, okay, I'm not giving up on this part of the salon as a failure. We're just redirecting. Mm -hmm. I think that's key for everybody to remember that when something's not working, push it to a point, but when you see, okay, what you're doing, whatever you can, and it's not working, this is when you need to sit down and think, okay, do I give up on it and redirect? Or do I keep wasting my time and energy in this one thing that's not working? And it was a hard lesson to learn, but I've learned that it's better to know when to give up on certain things and redirect. And that's what happened with the full service salon, turning it into just eyelash specific salon. Yeah. And then it happens to me again when COVID hit and I had to mm. decide, okay, do I want to keep pushing for the salon to be running or do I want to focus on the education and the product line? Yeah. So, and you pivoted again, right? It's just a constant pivoting. And I, I, people, in fact, this was that serious business that was like back just prior, I think, to COVID. There's this business conference we go to and pivot was the theme. And that was like, say, guys, you need to be ready to pivot. And then guess what? COVID hit like, you know, just a couple months later. And I think for a lot of us, pivoting sucks because it means changing. It means letting go. That's a good word. It really it sucks. sucks. And it's letting go, right? Letting go of dreams. Like you had a dream of a salon with a hair full service salon. That's a dream. A lot of people have that. And they're like, but you were balancing. Like I could beat my head into the wall forever and maybe not make it, or I can pivot where I see opportunity. Again, it's also seeing where those opportunities and jump on. I mean, Tuss saw lashes back in 2005 and went to her business that she was working on. said, hey, I think lashes are going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest thing in the beauty industry. And they looked there and go, nah, this is stupid. You should do it. That totally happened to me too. Even when I was opening the salon, initially, I had the vision for it to be just eyelashes. Mm. 
But people said, oh, it's just a fad. It's going to go away. <laughs> Are you sure? It's so specific. Then I was like, okay, I'll make it full service. But that was another lesson I learned. Don't listen to people if you have a vision. Yeah. Because nobody else is your vision and nobody else is going to be able to accomplish it. So don't listen to what people say. Yeah, I know. People will be your biggest detractors at times. And if you, like you said, you really believe in it and you thought it, Give it a shot. I mean, the worst thing will happen is you'll pivot, right? You'll change. You'll do something different. Yes. But at least you tried and you can say, I did at least give it my all. I, I went after it. I'm proud that I went after it. And then look at what happens. New opportunities open up and you change your pathway and then new exciting things happen to you. So, I mean, that's all very inspiring. And by the way, still, as you shared earlier, it's still a struggle because then there's moments and days, like you said earlier, with the, the struggle with the kids. You're like, well, should I just get rid of it all because, you know, it's so hard to struggle. It's, there's never a day when you arrive and you just sit on the beach and you drink pina coladas. So that, that day, for very few at least, maybe there is someone out there saying, Paul, that's me right now. I'm listening. I'm in Hawaii with my pina colada. What are you talking about? DM us if you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there is anybody out there, no matter how successful or how wealthy they are, that they're just happy sitting. <laughs> yeah. Because no matter where you're at in your life, as humans, we're programmed to always want more and better. If it's financial or success, you know, the people like um, uh, Bill Gates or Buffett, they could just sit and do nothing, but they don't. Why don't they? Because now it's not about building the money. It's about building their accomplishments or their success or making a change in the world. So there's always something. And I always have to remind myself that too, that, you know, just sometimes it's okay to slow down and enjoy the moment because you're never going to get to that finish line. Finish line is going to keep extending because as humans, we're always going to want more and better. Yeah. So let's just stop and enjoy the moment sometimes because yeah. those are the things that count at the end of the days. And that was really, really hard for me to, to learn because like you said, if we're encouraged to have a better life for ourselves or our kids for the future we really like want to do so much but then that's the mistake some people make they miss that special time living yeah totally again ask yourself why do you need to keep growing really what is going on behind that there is an answer at some point you'll get to for me it's easy to answer that question because i've spent a lot of time with myself (laughs) trying to figure out why i'm doing things but for me is because I've just learned to accept that as humans, we always want to grow and we always want more. It's just our human nature, right? And um, for me personally, why I need to grow is because I want certain things. I believe that we can have everything we want and I always want more. I'm not ashamed to say that I want a bigger house. I want a bigger family. If I can figure out a way to manage everything, I want four (laughs) kids. So I want more of everything. So I want to accomplish more for myself and for the people around me it just feeds my human needs <laughs> yeah no, it, it's, it is now, yeah, it's simple it really is human nature to always want to grow and want more the people that are not working to i don't know i need to interview more people and ask them do you want to grow but i think yeah. every single person out there no matter what direction they always want to grow yeah um, and it's just their perception of their growth or where they want to go. But I I really think it's simple. It's human nature for us to want to grow. That's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a couple of little things, and I just looked at the time. It's almost been an hour. It's been great. Thank you so much for uh, giving so much of your day away to us. I know you have so many other things. I love this. I love this. Thank you for having me. I love connecting and I love talking about, you know, all these 
Thanks, because it's also a reminder for me. I do want to mention again, because I know a lot of listeners feel discouraged at times and they need something to listen to. Just, I want to remind everybody that every person and even the most successful, most encouraging people that you listen to on the radio, on the podcast, on YouTube, they have days like you have days where you feel like shit. <laughs> Sorry yeah. for my language. Or you feel like um, you, you're not good enough or you feel like you have doubts, you don't know what you're doing. Everybody feels those feelings and the key is to figure out how to get past those feelings. So you have to find a technique that works for you. And for me, it has worked for me to sit down and journal. So what I do is I start writing in my journal and I write down, okay, I hate my life today because... Um, <laughs> are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the things that are bothering me. And by the time, like I'm done putting all that that's in my head into my journal, it almost uplifts me and encourages me to see that, okay, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you get over it after you write it down. So that's one thing I do. And another thing I do is again, listen to other people's words of encouragement, which are podcasts and motivational videos. So I hope that helps you guys figure out your technique of what works. And before, when I was able to run, running was my key. <laughs> running was my key to let go of everything. But mm. I've been pregnant and then breastfeeding for so long. These three years back to back, I haven't been able to run to get my, you know, mojo back. But mm-hmm. so that's what I do. I journal and I um, listen to the podcasts and motivational videos. That's great. Um, maybe uh, just in wrap closing, what are some of your favorite podcasts? And what's one book? You said you've read a lot of books too. Maybe you can share one book that made a lot of impact for you that you know our listeners should go and uh, get today. One thing, since we did talk about no excuses, so there is a book literally called No Excuses. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's an excellent book and it asks a lot of questions for you to sit down and think about what you want and where you want to be and what you like, what you don't like in your life. Because that's another key for me is if I don't know where I'm going, I'm not going to get there. So mm. I think every year or so, if not every month, we need to like sit down and really think about, okay, where am I going and what are my goals? Because if we don't know where we're going, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just, imagine just getting in your car and you're just driving aimlessly. Like, where are you going to end up? You don't know. But then if you know exactly where you're going and you put your road and your GPS to that destination, you're going to get there. (laughs) It's actually a smart thing to do. Um, A guy I love, Donald Miller, he actually has a a life-like journal or book. In the front of it, he has actually written his obituary. And this obituary is how he wants to be remembered as. And he once in a while, I don't know how often he reads it, but he does read it once in a while. Just remind himself, this is the life I want to build. This is what I want people to say about me when I'm gone. So it's a really cool little exercise, a little morbid, but I think at the same time, thinking big picture, it's really interesting. Yes, that's very interesting. And then every day he has a... um, then after that, he kind of has the, the things that he wants to accomplish in this year. Like he only says about a few. Like, like he's not going to do 18,000 things. He's got two, three, four major projects that he's going to do. Like write a book. He's an author. So he writes books. One book a year. He's going to launch this other thing and one more thing. That's it. So every day when he looks at his to-do list, those three things are always the first thing on his thing. These are the things he has, the big picture stuff he has to be working on to get through his day. Then he has his ongoing to-do list. That gets put below that. Because we, as I'm sure you know, we can get caught up doing all sorts of little things that really don't build our business. It's just busy work. And it's stuff that 
eventually needs to get done, but we easily gravitate to it because it's not challenging or it's not scary or it keeps us away from those big, scary dreams that really might we could fail at. So I'll just do a bunch of little tasks that I can never fail at, and it's easy. So he has that type of thing, and I think it's a great way, and it's actually one of the things that's been on my to-do list to create that. I already work with that model a little bit, but I really would like to structure it a little bit more and formalize it so that uh, I feel like I'm, I have a little bit more driven, a little bit more focus each day versus, like you said, if you don't have that roadmap and you don't know where you're going, you will literally go nowhere with your business. You'll wake up a year later and go, wait, we did nothing. <laughs> There's some power into having it written down and maybe out loud reading it. So that's yeah. another practice I've learned. And I need to remind myself to redo that because yeah. whatever goals and things I had really like planned for, thank God they all came true. And I'm now at a point it's like, okay, well, these were my goals. I've accomplished it, but I've gotten so busy with the family life and just trying to figure out how I'm pivoting with all the changes in the world that I forgot to do my own yeah. new list of where I'm going. So I think it's very important to do that and then read it in the mornings and at nights. Like that's something that I keep hearing every book I read, every people I study. That's one exercise they do is having clear goals of where they want to go mm-hmm. and reminding themselves of it in the mornings and at nights and religiously doing yeah. it. Absolutely. No way it come true if we really focus on it. I'm a big, big believer into like um, the power of thought and the word too so that's another thing too we have to catch ourselves when we complain yeah. <laughs> and guess we, it's so natural for us to complain and i've been working on that so i have to catch myself for me to not complain that's like key for us to get to where we want to get is not complain and just be super grateful for where we are and what we have and then aim to accomplish more yeah well where can people find you where where are you located on the instagram website and all that So everything is under Yegi Beauty. So that's my company name. You guys will see more of the motivational or podcast stuff on the Yegi Project. That's something fairly new. But so between Yegi Beauty and Yegi Project, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of the podcast streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's spelled Y-E-G-I, yeah? Yegi. Yes. Yes. Yegi. Awesome. So Yegi, beauty. And thank you so much for sharing. I, I really do appreciate sharing some of the, the struggles. This is why I love doing this is I get to feel and understand where you've gone from, how you've gotten through it. And I hope for, for those of you at home listening right now or in your car, wherever you are, you, you have a fellow struggler, heart, struggler right here <laughs> with Yegi and us too. We, we've talked about our struggles very openly about our stuff that we've gone through. We've had some pretty crazy stuff as any entrepreneur does. And you're I not really, alone. Yeah, you're not alone. And uh, I'm sure she'll, you go check out her podcast. I, she's doing it as a gift to help others figure out how to work on their life. I listened to part of your podcast and you were sharing, you call it the project is your ongoing project. You haven't figured it all out, right? You're trying to put the pieces together as you go. And that's kind of this podcast is here to help people with that. And And I want other people to go through the journey with me too. and know that it's okay. We're all trying out here to make it to where we want to make it. And deep down, I know that's my purpose. So throughout studying and really getting to know myself, my bigger picture in this world, I've learned that it's my purpose to help other people reach their goals and their ideal balanced lives. So that's where the Yegi project became alive. And the birthday, funny birthday for the Yegi project officially going live is February 2nd. 
22. So this year, so it's two, 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 two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. Um, Very cute. So, yes. Thank Thanks. you for having me. I'm so happy to connect. I would love to have you guys on our podcast. It'd be an honor to have you. Absolutely. And Let's do it. Y'all come connect in, in real live at the Lashcast. You guys yeah. do uh, year yeah 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 hopefully yeah are you coming to last con by the way i plan on coming this year honestly okay. i've been so busy with just trying to stay tunnel focused with everything i have yeah. to do i haven't gone to any conferences oh, wow. because i'm a big believer of education um but this year i do plan on coming a lot of people that i know have asked me hey are you gonna be there are you gonna come even few educators that i've trained have asked me they're like oh we're gonna go are you gonna come and that's how i actually learned about you guys oh. Um, so I'll be, hopefully fingers crossed, I'll be able to make it this year. Awesome. It'd be great. It'd be great to see you. I mean, you're in our backyard. So the good news yes. is you, you can always drive home and see your babies at night. And, uh, otherwise yeah. <laughs> you have to <laughs> leave for three, four days and abandon your family. But anyhow, thank you so much again for being on our show. It was a pleasure and, uh, looking forward to seeing or connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, guys, that's a wrap. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Squash Tusney, as well as our special guest, Yegi, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. <laughs>